Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. And we're back, episode 101. But before we get started, by the time you all listen to this podcast, it will be Keith's birthday. So I'm going to sing Keith his birthday song. Happy birthday, dear Keith. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear guy. Happy birthday, <laughs> Keith Fingers. Happy birthday, Keith Finger. Appreciate it, man. Blowing out the candle. All right, man. I, uh, you know what I'm saying? If you out there, you want to send me a cash app or something like that, it's, K- it's uh, dollar sign K Fing. So, right. K F I N G S. You know what I'm saying? Send me some, some little money so I can go to the strip club or something. Snapchat me that pussy. <laughs> It'd be crazy. You get all kind of wild DMs. Yeah. He's like, I totally like, I always wanted to know, like, if I could like hang out with you for your birthday. Yeah. And I want to be your present. <laughs> crazy. Man, I wish we had that as like a, uh, I guess like a, uh, what do you call that? Like a soundboard, like a, yeah. a drop. Like some, we say some wild, it'd be like, Snapchat me that pussy. <laughs> Yeah, we need a dope like soundboard thing. Yeah, that'd be cool. We gotta figure it out. Yeah, I would like. I wish we we just had somebody that their whole responsibility was fucking with the soundboard. Yeah, kind of like the Brilliant Idiots podcast, but it wouldn't work unless somebody that was really like with us, like Mm -hmm. doing the whole production the whole time. Mm -hmm. Then that shit would be dope. Then they would understand when to press the button. Yeah. I don't, want, time. I don't want to be in the middle of saying something serious and he like, snap, tell me that pussy. <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> you killed it. <laughs> Anyways, happy birthday to Keith. He's turning 28 years old, man. He's getting a little closer to 30. Nigga's getting old, bro. Yeah, man. Getting more gray hairs, man. It's man, crazy. It's, it's crazy out here. Yeah, Keith's head looked like, uh, I don't know, it looked like, uh, like a bunch of gray and black noodles. Yeah. <laughs> He got some top ramen noodles on his head, man. I'm a silver fox out here, man. Shit is crazy, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Um, Just recently, we attended a Black History uh, comedy show on Friday. That Mm -hmm. shit was dope, man. It was was dope. Yeah, it was live. Yeah, it was dope because, um, you know, uh, it was just awesome to see a bunch of people that look like me and Keith having a blast. Like, you know. You don't we don't normally see a bunch of us in one space because there's not a lot of us. First of all, we only represent 13 percent of the whole fucking population. Mm -hmm. And then, two, you know, we're not always like having these meetups. So it was awesome. You know, the the comedy show was fucking hilarious. Beautiful women everywhere. A lot of beautiful, thick ones, too. A lot of thick ones there. (laughs) I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be respectful. I don't want to yeah. be up here being thirsty or nothing. But yeah. man, it was some thick ones too. Some Mexicans, some thick Mexicans in there Mexicans too. Mexicans in there, old white ladies in there. I was like, man, we got burritos and chicken in here. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it, it was just a dope, like yeah, some, just beautiful people. Yeah, yeah man. That's cool. Yeah, some fried chicken burritos in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great show, man. Mm-hmm. Uh uh first and foremost, shout out to Lolo. You know, Lolo did an amazing job. Yeah. You know, being a host of the show, she held it down. Hell of a fucking job. Shout out to Brody Harris. Yeah. Uh, shout out to DJ, who, you know, a lot of you guys know from uh, Finesse Entertainment. Also, mm-hmm. shout out to Chris, who's a part of Finesse Entertainment. Yeah. Um, shout out to... Uh, you had uh, Br- Brent, Brent McClanahan. McClanahan. Brent McClanahan. 
Tiffany, Tiffany yeah. T. Different. Yeah, Tiffany and, wasn't it? Tiffany uh, Belt. Yeah, she did then, a hell of a job. She's funny as a motherfucker. Yeah, um, and Ryan Bell was Ryan also Bell. on the show. Um, K. Mitch and then Lito. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, K. Mitch and Lito did a hell yeah. of a job. Yeah. Shit was funny, man. I I genuinely was laughing. The atmosphere was good. It was a real legit comedy vibe. Yeah, I loved it, man. It was dope. It was genuinely dope. It wasn't on some local shit. It was maxed out capacity. Like people was in the back, mm-hmm. you know, standing up, enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know, it was a really good, really good atmosphere. I'm glad I had that Friday off. Normally, I'm always at work on Friday, but luckily, I had that day off, so yeah, I got to enjoy that. That's cool. Yeah, j- just for me, like you said, it was just cool to see that you know we can all come together and just put some dope on. Hundred percent. You know what I mean, and it's you know as a representative of Black History Month, which. A lot of the comedians, you know, they made little, you know, jokes that represented black black history and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And it was also dope to see that something that Brody just put on solo, you know. He's yeah. a guy that I went to high school with and um, you know, it's just dope to see, you know, his progress as far as like just being an entrepreneur and also um being a comedian and just just doing the whole thing. So it was dope. And um, like you said, everybody was funny up there. You know, I was in there really laughing at, at you know, everybody's jokes. And I know these people, so it was, I was impressed on another level. You know, I know these people personally. So it was just cool to see. It's just like, you know, I don't know what you could compare it to, but maybe um, somebody like Drake and, you know, uh, The Weeknd or something like that. You sit in your studio when you, you know, you are in your early 20s and you're seeing a lot of these music, this music being created from, you know, from the Genesis or whatever. And then all of a sudden you see The weekend and he's blowing up. He's all over the charts. Like, you know, that's how I felt seeing all of them people in there, um, you know, making hundreds of people laugh. You know right, I mean? right. It was, just a, it was just a dope feeling in, the, in the, especially DJ and Chris, you know, those are guys that I work with on a weekly basis. So it was, it was really dope to see. Yeah. them going there and they just you know they just was being themselves and but what i think is dope too is not also not just that but you know being a fan of seeing people at the beginning of their careers but also being in the same position yet you're not on the stage like keith yeah. keith is really making noise out here for the content he creates mm-hmm. you know and he's at the beginning of what he's doing but you know he's doing something completely different Mm-hmm. But that I expect great things from Keith. You know what I'm Appreciate saying? It. Just mm-hmm. just based on the fact of what he's done. Not mm-hmm. to mention, let me big up myself. Okay, <laughs> so I'm sitting back there watching them, but I'm at the very beginning of what I'm doing. Yeah. So I want to be able to look at this shit five, six years down the line and be like, "Hey, you remember that comedy show? Yeah, you guys did great, and you guys are all still here." That's the, that's the beautiful part about that show is that right. It's going to be something that all of them could look back on. In their careers, right? Like, yo, remember we sold out. You know, essentially they did sell out the little firehouse. You know, and yeah. I I don't know what the capacity in there, but it was like over. It was standing room only. You yeah. know, it was over a hundred people in there, just having a good time. So right. it was just like crazy. You know, so, and and you know, for me, it, it reminded me a lot of the Childish Gambino concert to where we was just in there. Like I took a couple pictures, but yeah. Oh yeah. Um, generally I would, you know, go to record some of these things, but I was mm-hmm. like, man, I just want to experience it. I don't want to be, I want to feel obligated to work. So I just was in there and you know, that's going to be in, you know, in the back of our minds, um, 
for years to come. And I could scroll through my phone and see the pictures that I took there and right. just remember everybody that was there. And it was just, it was I wanna, just dope. I want to be able to look back on that and be like, man, you remember all them thick black and brown ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, the whole left side of the freaking comedy was this thick black and Mexican one. <laughs> I was like, I'm on the wrong side. Yeah. I need to be on the left. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. That was dope, man. Hilarious good, show, man. It's good energy. And like you said, it's um it was cool to see the aftermath of it because afterwards there were some people that couldn't make it or didn't know about it or whatever. But right. you know, they seen the pictures and they seen how many people was in there and it was like, yo, man, I gotta make it to the next one. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I had went to the um Riverwalk today and I was looking at the amphitheater and I was like, Man, I was telling Eddie this earlier, but I was like, Man, what wouldn't it be dope if we did something like a Dave Chappelle block party? Fuck yeah. Where it's, you know, basically a festival for, Man. you know, all the guys out here, Joe Maynard, um, yeah. you, know, you know, my comedian family and friends and, you know, a podcast, a live podcast oh on the stage. God, um, you know, Lolo and K Mitch, when, whenever they get their podcast up and running again, like they get up there and. It just be a it just be a dope experience, and we can do that. Like we have enough talent there. When I was looking yeah. on the stage, I was like, "This this is." Um, it felt like Deaf Comedy Jam in there. You Fuck know what yeah. I mean? It felt like that same type of energy. Very nostalgic. People, yeah, people in there laughing hysterically, and just different improv moments and all these things. People cracking jokes on the crowd. Like I was like, "Yo, this is Dude. really like the genesis of Man. some great great I, stuff." I'll tell you one thing. And Keith just, man, I just, I could just see it. Um, I would love to do a live podcast in two places in Bakersfield. Only two. The Fox Theater or the Amphitheater of Riverwalk. That yeah. would be fucking, preferably the Amphitheater of Riverwalk. It's opened up. People could just come up for free and just chill and just listen. Mm-hmm. That would be so fucking dope, dude. Yeah. And I would, and for the city of Bakersfield too. They would shut it. For that, we would have to like. It would have to be a, a ticket thing. We can't do that for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's doing too much. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. By then we'd be getting paid. So yeah. yeah, they would like they cage it off. Yeah, um, and then they have they just have a pathway where you you know you you uh, put your, like when the Bernie Sanders came out here. Yeah, they wrapped you know a fence around yeah. the whole thing, and then you come out, and that's what they do for the d- other concerts and Bernie, stuff too. So you can still hear Bernie screaming from the street. Free healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> Free healthcare for everybody. Free college. Free bagels. <laughs> hey, I was uh, Andrew Show said something hilarious about Bernie. He said Bernie won't free healthcare because he needs it. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. It was just a, it was just like you said. It, if you out here in the Bakersfield area, Fresno area, whatever, like make sure you get to these shows early because you, right. you, it's going to be a situation where, and we're telling you this now, it's going to be a situation where you're going to be able to see greatness at its, you know, at its, uh, at its pr- preliminary stages. Yeah, the prequel. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you'll be able to say like, yo, man, I, I seen such and such and, you know, now they on Netflix or now they got their own tour going on or now they got you know a million subscribers on youtube or whatever and i seen them at you know um at the firehouse or i seen them at right you know these little local open mics and stuff like that because pretty soon you know is the the tickets gonna get crazier and that's what lolo said she was like you better see these guys now because they they really gonna blow up yeah and it's it's dope to see to see something i remember i seen 
and this was not the the real like f- the beginning beginning but i remember before um this was in section 80 dropped kendrick lamar went to riverside you know a yeah. lot of the rappers they do those yeah those college tours when they not you yeah. know when they're getting ready to pop yeah um and I seen him there, and this is before it's Good Kid, Mad City, and all that was out, and it yeah. was just like, yo, like now I, that's in my memory bank forever. Like, yo, I seen yeah. Kendrick Lamar before he was, you know, number one on the charts and stuff like that. That's so. a trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's dope too. And just because it's a Black History comedy show doesn't mean like, huh, I'm not black. I can't go to that. Like, yeah. if you if you like comedy, right, then go. Yeah, take a friend with you and go. I think it would have been a, been a hell of an experience. What well, was obviously packed up, but yeah, you know, it would have been cool to see. Yeah, um, it was a lot of non-black people there. Some white definitely. people there. It was some obviously it's a black comedy show, so majority of black people gonna be there. But you know, if you just love to laugh, right? You know, get there, right? Yeah, you see, like probably like an older white man in the back just drinking a beer, just laughing his ass off. Yeah, I just love black comedians. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, it was cool too because. Um, <laughs> Like it was inspiring too. Like right, you know, right. obviously I, I, me and Eddie both do stand up, but yeah. I was like, I love, um, I love that feeling of being on stage. I love when you say something and you have people like laughing, laughing. So I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get back, get myself back on stage, um, get to these open mics and work out these these jokes because, um, you know, you see people up there and you, you know you can only help to compare yourself, but not compare yourself in the sense to where like. You know, I'm better than them or whatever, but I'm just formulating in my mind, like, you know, like the type of comedy that I do, like how receptive of it will they be? And like, you know, I got, you know, certain ideas where I feel like, yeah, obviously it's not, there's a, like, you know, Dave Chappelle's and Chris Rock's and these guys are like the upper echelon of, of comedy, of comics. But I'm like, yo, man, I think I have some premises that are, that are really good. So you know, I want to get back on on stage. And Brody asked me after the show. He was like, "Man, you still you still doing stand up?" I was like, "Yeah, man." He was like, "Yeah, man, we're gonna get you up here whenever you know, whenever we got another opportunity." So it'll be yeah. dope, man. Yeah, dope. I just I think he's the type of guy that would he would definitely do it. He would definitely get up on stage. I ain't afraid of that. But yeah. If, if he has other shit going on, he's probably not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, but th- that's the thing, though. I felt yeah. like. Um, this is why I'm kind of backing off of everything because right. I felt like, and we're going to talk about this later, or I yeah. don't even know if we're going to talk about this later, but just mm-hmm. being selfish because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like the first, like I was doing a bunch of open mics and then I got an opportunity to do um, one of the We on the Laugh shows. And what was happening was I was so busy just editing and doing um, different videos and music videos and all these things. And when it came time to do the show, like I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. Mm. So that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. So, um, and this was months ago and it's, it's, it's still happening a little bit now, but more so I'm getting a, now more so than ever, I'm getting a grasp on like myself and what I want to do. Right. So if it, if a show like that does come up, like I know in the future, I'll, have set up set aside enough time and not have to do these different jobs just to keep the lights on or whatever right. and i'll be able to do these kind of you know these kind of gigs because that's genuinely what i want to do more than editing a video or shooting a music video right. you know what i mean i, I love making movies mm-hmm. stand-up is you know i love doing stand-up also and i love doing a podcast right. so ideally it would just be those three right and then i would just be um have this passive income over here. Right. And I wouldn't have to take every job. A hundred percent. Yeah. So. Y- you know what I want to do for a living? 
whatever the fuck I want. Exactly. That's that. <laughs> I want to wake up and be like, you know what? Maybe I'll just eat a whole box of cereal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll just fucking let maybe I'll go to freaking Alaska and you know and then come back. Yeah. Who knows? I just want to do whatever the fuck I want. I don't you know being tied down and being a part of the rat race. But this is the beginning. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. We're all working people, but I don't intend on working and making other people rich. That's something that uh that's going to stop. For real. It's going to stop. For real. It, yeah, fuck mm-hmm. that. You know, no slight to anybody, but no. That's that's basically what the structure is. And when you're a part of the rat race, you're empowering someone else more than yourself. Yeah. Just I you know, I think now I'm kind of on a, s- a small scale, but Right. I just think about the the time when um when it comes to negotiating deals. Mm-hmm. And you know, now like I I'll shoot a little music video for however much amount of money or I'll do um, a little editing project for however much amount of money or edit a YouTube video or whatever. But, you know, I take all these lessons that I've learned when it, when it comes to the small, like independent right, right, right. grind. And when it does come to a time where we're shopping the podcast or different yeah. networks or whatever, I could use all this information that I got from doing all these small jobs to yeah. and take those into those things. Of so you know you have uh, you have real leverage and experience and stuff. So you know it's almost like we talked about Richard Sherman, and you know he's I don't know how many contracts he signed, maybe three or four in mm-hmm. his in his career. He's what in his thirties now, his early thirties. Yeah, he's like thirty two. I think. Yeah, so he's probably signed like two or three contracts before then, and he took all that information and soaked all that information up, and then when it came and all even outside of football, like Nike deals or. You know the little peanut commercial and all yeah. them little uh, in the uh, the little uh, body armor um, drinks and all that, and yeah. he took that into his deal. So when it came to sit down, he knew all the ins and outs. He he knew he probably knew the little verbiage of the contract, and yeah. he, he did it on his own. So. Smart guy, yeah. He negotiated his own contract, and he got like four over four million dollars in incentives. Yeah. So yeah, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, uh, to bring it all back in, great fucking show, great job. Uh, yeah, the, the comics did a great job. It was yeah. pretty dope. Um, Definitely follow all these people. You know, rewind it back and and hear their names, and you know, look these people up on Instagram because you know it's going to be great things coming from all those people. Hundred um, percent. To, to piggyback on this and Black History in general, um, the Black History Parade that we have every year, um, and we got an extra day this year, right? Yeah. So that was pretty dope. <clears throat> Can't complain about it being. A super short month, so we got that extra day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, the Black History Rate went down. We have one here in Bakersfield every year at the last day of the month for the uh, for Black History. And uh, I've seen some really insensitive and racist and just uneducated comments, which I see all the time regarding Black people. Right? Um, I seen something like there was basically uh, there was a, like a black cowboy was on a horse. And then, like, he did, like, a trick where the horse, like, he jumped up on the horse's back, and then he sat back down on the horse. And mm-hmm. then there was some comments like, uh, oh, man, this is tearing the, the horse's back up. It's messing his organs up. It's doing this and that. You shouldn't be doing that the to the heck? horse. Let me be very clear when I say this. I don't know anything about horses, right? And it's a possibility it could hurt the horse. I don't know. All I know is this. Stop micro trying to micromanage black people and what they do in their culture. Yeah. Okay? Shut up. Okay? Because... Yeah. I see a lot of questionable things in other cultures that I don't get, right? 
but I don't go and write about them on social media like, why are they doing that? You know what? Why? Do, I don't look. Here's the thing. I also seen something and, it, and I hate to say this. And let me preface what I'm about to say. I don't hate white people. Right. But mm-hmm. I hate racist white people. And yeah. The, the white people that I hang around or I'm cool with, they don't say and replicate these dumb things that I see on the Internet. They're just regular people like me. But I can't stand racist white people because they're the most clueless motherfuckers ever. All yeah. right. For example, there was this dude was like, why is there a black history month? If it was a white history month, it would be racist. And I'm like, motherfucker, I don't normally reply to stupid people. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you need to go look up redlining and motherfucking Jim Crow laws and segregation and and mm-hmm. and, and uh, mass incarceration. Look up all these things, not to mention how much black history has been suppressed in the textbooks, right? Yeah. yeah. There are things that we benefit from on a daily basis that was created by black people, but we would never know it because history has suppressed that knowledge being passed down to kids. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit. If you was to ask the average person that's non-black what they know about black history month, oh, you know, Martin Luther King, and uh, they don't know nobody else. Mm-hmm. This is why Black History Month is important. Take the time to try to do a little research and find that out. But anyways, I wasn't going back and forth for people, but if I don't understand something with someone else's culture, I shut the fuck up. Yeah. I let them enjoy their culture, whether you black or, or whether you're Sikh Indian or motherfucking Mexican or Japanese or Chinese, whatever the fuck you are. I don't be like, oh, my God, why is that Chinese person hitting the gong like that? Or yeah. why is that Mexican person uh, uh, eating the meat like that? I don't do that. Mm-hmm. That that to me is not only is it insensitive, it's ignorant as fuck. Yeah. Just shut the fuck up. Let black people be black. I, and, and the thing about it is like I let people be themselves every day I let you be white or motherfucking Japanese or whatever every day mm-hmm. let black people be black yeah that's, that's my only that shit got me so pissed just shut up yeah yeah I think um, it, it like you said that's the first word that comes to mind is just this whole micromanaging thing. Yes, you know it, it, the what happens is um, white people can do the same thing, but when it comes to black people, it's treated totally different. hundred percent. We get we get crucified for the same type of um, things that we do. For example, you know they have the Kentucky the Kentucky Derby Derby every year. I thought you were about to say Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> So they have the Kentucky Derby every year and, you know, it's a bunch of short, you know, I don't know what race they is, but I'm pretty sure they tend to be, you know, white people. Nah, they, not really. They like what, Italians yeah, and whatnot? Yeah, they be little too. Yeah. Either way, white people are, I mean, Italians are still white people. I'm just saying it ain't no niggas. <laughs> <laughs> and they be whipping them horses ass. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that definitely can't be good for them. 1000%. Yeah. And it's a bunch of other stuff. Just, just the fact that um, you treating these horses, you know, I don't know how they're treated on a personal level, but I I'm sure the they horses in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, you just got to keep that same energy. I right. need you to show up to all these Kentucky derbies and, all these other sea biscuit and all these little uh, races with the horses running around a circle and right. you know and and keep that same energy. Go out there and protest and hold up your signs or whatever. Right. 
It's just ignorant, dude. It's, yeah. It's pure ignorance. Because, see, this is what I could do, right? It, it, I could go and be like, oh, man, why do these white people have their trucks lifted for 20 inches high? What's going on? Yeah. Why are the trucks so big? I don't understand it. I don't know why they do that. I don't get it. I don't get it. Just shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Okay? And by the way, I like lifted trucks, right? I got a lift kit in my living room right now. I swear to God. <laughs> I got a lift kit in my house that I'm about to put on my truck. But the thing about it is, is the thing is, is people say, oh, we're we're all one race. We're the human race. You know, being black, all that, that don't exist. Yeah, it does. Shut the fuck up. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm a black man. I'm American just like you, but I'm different. And that's okay. You're different. And that's okay. Mexicans, Japanese, Sikh Indians, we're mm-hmm. all different. Yeah. But we are all Americans. Okay. But being as we're different, don't act like it's weird. Right, we celebrate White History Month every fucking day, and <laughs> pretty much I don't. Well, I'm just saying the structure is yeah. it's basically a lot of the structure is was created by white America. Yeah, and, it, and the thing about it is this: people say that's not true at all because everybody everybody contributed to this country to make it what it is. That's also true, but two things could be true, right? When you turn on these award shows and everybody's white, nobody bats an eye. Yeah. You know, when you got the, what is the fucking Emmys or whatever else it is? Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, that's my favorite actor. That's cool. But I watch it and after a while, I'm like, hey, ain't no black people ever on this shit. Yeah. (laughs) Ain't never no black people on this shit. But I don't even care. I'm not even tripping. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, and then uh, another, it was another comment that said, yeah, they got to get the police out there whenever there's a lot of, whenever there's a lot of African Americans in one place, there's going to be a shooting. And I'm like, first of oh all, the police do God. be out there. You have to, you need the police to shut down the streets. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. any large event. Yeah. Is that we need a really good showing of the police. And it's just like a really good showing of the police. I'm like, come on, man. Come yeah. on, dude. Let me, let me once again, for anybody that's half listening, I do not hate white people. I hate racist ones. Racist because it's annoying. It, it's not so much I hate them. I just hate the ignorance. Mm. It's just like, fuck. Mm-hmm. It's some black people that be doing the same dumb shit, too. But, man, the shit I seen, it was literally always a white person doing it. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. We got to do better than that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there's that. All right. And I know the only comments I'll get in there is like, Eddie hates white people. <laughs> He's gonna be commenting on our podcast. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't because we haven't made it. Like we haven't yeah. made it there yet. But yeah. I think what people do is even when they listen to podcasts, they half listen, and a lot of them are not. Um, what do you call that? A lot of people that do that shit aren't like loyal listeners, so they don't they don't understand our uh, personalities that great. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like time like popping up here and there, and they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Should have knew I should have never listened to this podcast. Yeah. These black racist. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, anything else on that, Keith? Nah. All right, switch gears. Keith, I can tell these white people. I can tell Keith Keith didn't have a lot to say because he just is like, mm, uh-huh. Yeah, right. it's like only so much you can say about these um these white racists. You know what I mean? They just they just uh we just gotta we don't even we shouldn't even give them energy in, in reality, but it is a podcast, so you kinda gotta talk about yeah, it. Yeah, hundred percent. And the thing about it is, is it's not so much to dwell on the topic of racism. Mm-hmm. It's to dwell it's to basically just bring up the fact that the month exists. Um respect people's cultures. I respect everyone's culture. Yeah. I don't be like, yo, that's weird, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, but I don't, I don't be going to the you know these Fourth of July functions ruining y'all day. There's all these lifted trucks and American flags and whatnot, <laughs> celebrating racism and by shooting fireworks. Yeah, and the whole thing too is, is like you could go even deeper. The historical context behind the whole uh, you know uh, Francis Scott Key mm-hmm. it, it, that that song was not written for us. Yeah, yeah, but at the end of the day. I'm gonna leave. What about that whole movement where they're trying to get like the Migos, the Migos, (laughs) the Migos to write the new? uh, Oh hell no! Write the new. If you get the Migos to write, if you get the Migos to write the new like national anthem, like I pledge allegiance. Oh, oh, pledge allegiance to the flag. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Travis Scott pop up straight up. (laughs) America, (laughs) mama. That mug would probably slap. Right? That mug could probably slap. They could put some 808s behind that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All That's right. Funny. Switching gears. Uh, humble yourself or the world will do it for you. And the, and the, the subject matter in this uh, topic is Deontay Wilder. Uh, recently, Deontay Wilder, uh, he fought Tyson Fury. And during that time, he came in. He came in before the fight. He had this big fucking suit on, looking like Master Shredder. That's and, funny. And, <laughs> and you know, he had the uh, D Smoke came out uh, rapping his whole album before he came up on the fucking on the fucking ring. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and it was just like I don't know. It was just a lot. It's so much theatrics. Yeah. Back in the day, they put on the little music and they got to the ring and then they fought. But now this shit is. And yeah, it, and, and it wasn't only him that had a long ass fucking intro because Tyson Fury came up in this big ass chair and yeah. Anyways, to make a long story short, um, Wilder got the shit knocked out of him because he's a boxer. Eventually, you're gonna lose, right? Yeah. Um, he lost and he got beat from the very first bell to the end. He got his ass whooped, right? And after the fight, uh, it came out that he stated that the suit basically affected his legs mm-hmm. and that was kind of it was kind of sketchy it basically it says uh deontay wilder's heavy outfit excuse exposed after bragging about training in a 45 pound suit before the fight so i guess they took the soundbite from joe rogan's podcast <laughs> and that's what he's that's what they said he was bragging on um training with that vest on yeah uh, it says deontay Wilder faces yet more ridicule over his heavy outfit it says, uh, excuse following the defeat to Tyson Fury, having revealed before the fight that he always trains in a 45 pound weight suit. So, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it, to me, like the whole, um, the, the, all the excuses, the way it played out is, is very sad as a, as a competitor and as an athlete. Right. Because, you know, you want to, you know, you give these all these rah rah speeches, and I want to die on my shield, and I'm gonna go out. You know, I I would die in the ring, and I'm willing to kill somebody, and all these little snippets and sound bites that he was given before the fight, and then after the fight, you giving a bunch of excuses. Right, this is very sad. Yeah, but to me, like you know, I understand as an athlete, you have to be extremely confident, you know, to go in there and be successful at at what you're doing, but um. There comes a time and, you know, there's there's a fine line between between being, you know, overly cocky or arrogant and being extremely confident. Right. And um, I think he taught us a lesson and, you know, you know, people all over the world, a lesson about 
just how um, important humility is. Yeah. And um, you you see it all the time. And I see it in, not only in uh, in Wilder, but in, you know, in the in the realm that we're in as far as like the podcast. So we've we've listened to certain podcasts out here locally and they'll be like, yo, this is the best podcast in Bakersfield. And they don't even have a podcast anymore. So, you know, that's unfortunate. Are you here, you know, even, you know, with us when we see, you know, we have relationships with different comedians and stuff like that. And, and, you know, they'll go on a show with, you know, a, a comedian from LA or other comedians and just be almost disrespectful and, um, and, uh, just cocky about other comics they'll you know they'll show up to a show and you know a comic will be up there working on material or yeah. you know maybe it's not as funny as they thought it should be or whatever but they in there on a phone they yeah. in there you know being disrespectful and stuff like that right right and and you know and you get to their show and you know they they have these um they say like i said these arrogant statements as far as like yo i'm a i'm a kill niggas they come after me they better be ready and i don't you know all these things and then they get up there and then they do moderately okay yeah so it's like you just always have to understand that humility i think you know gary v says this all the time like humility will take you further in life than um you know just being this cocky arrogant person yeah so and charlamagne to piggyback on that uh, charlamagne said uh i think he said his grandmother told him that uh manners to take you where money won't yeah. So if the, to tie that all in, if you're watching someone on stage, have some manners. Put your fucking phone away. Like with me, my phone was away most of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the comedians laughing because I don't want to miss a joke. And if I'm also a comedian, what I could do is it's not still material, but you know, look at the like I guess the premise of a joke and be mm-hmm. like, ooh, yeah. I could use that type of setup on mine. Except. It's completely different because the number one thing you don't want to do as a comedian is steal somebody's jokes. That's fucked up. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Do not do that. And I've seen, I've <laughs> honestly, the crazy part is I've, in the past two weeks, mm-hmm. I've seen jokes being, I don't mm-hmm. know who stole from who, but right. I've seen jokes being used by different people. I went to yeah. a show um, at Jerry's Pizza out here and there's this show, there's a joke about um, basically, Penises? No, it's not about penises. It's basically <laughs> niggas always got dick jokes. <laughs> but, um, basically, the 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 premise of it is um, basically he compares the his five minute set to the amount of time that he lasts in bed. Um, oh, so that's kind of like the idea. I don't right. want to say the joke, right, but right, 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 that's right. the idea. But I, I went to the show and it's this comedian from LA. Yeah. And um I heard him say it. I was like, what the heck? Like I literally because yeah. I'm editing this comedy special. Yeah. And I was like, I literally heard another guy say that same joke. Right. So I'm like, I don't know who stole from who, but now that we're in it, and you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we watched Joe Rogan talk right. about um Carlos Mancia Carlos and all Mancia. these, you know, other comedians and you hit and you um you see different YouTube videos about comedians complaining right. about superstars or whatever stealing their material right. and then Steve Harvey um and Mark Curry have a little bit of a, a riff now because right. Steve Harvey stole one of his jokes. You see it and it's alarming to you. So it's like it's just kind of crazy. Like, I, you know, you don't realize how often this thing goes on. Yeah, so. it's too much. I think stealing jokes as a comic is probably, uh, it's basically like stealing someone's intellectual property. 
Yeah. Like you're, you're taking something that they created from their brain and you're reusing it. And that, that to me is disgusting. Yeah. I think that you could be on a parallel mindset and you can have a joke that's kind of di- like, like it. But if it's too much like it, then you stole it, motherfucker. Like Exactly. <laughs> you fucking stole it. Mm-hmm. If you have a parallel thought and you tell a joke in a different way, you'd be like, I've heard that before, but it's not the same. Yeah. You know it's genuine. Because mm-hmm. our brains don't work like that to tell the exact same shit. Yeah. Have the exact same setup and the exact same delivery. Mm-hmm. I, heard, I ain't going to lie. I, I heard some jokes uh, recently that sounded stolen. And I've heard them before. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to be. I'm you know what lie. happens? I, like I was telling you, like we're um, like every comedian that I know is different. Right. And, you know, me and you tell jokes differently also. Right. But I feel like our our premises are comparable because a lot of it comes from like stuff we see in the world and like you know a lot of our uh podcast content turns into premises for jokes exactly but what happens is there's some comedians and they're the the basis and kind of a guy like andrew schultz talked about it also yeah is you know the the old cliche or the setup like Man, white people, white people, white people. Yeah, or like, like white on. people do this versus black people. Or, right, you know, right. those premises and what happens with those premises is that they're um, they're so general that you could twist a little bit of a statement that you heard from a D.L. Hughley right. or Chris Rock and then it's going to be the same joke. Like you can only get so far exactly. when it comes to these like, and that's so 90s, like yeah. doing those like, you know, white people do this versus yeah. black people. Or, it's it's a lot of hack shit, man. Yeah. Like what I try to do is when, I, when I'm, I'm telling my jokes, first of all, I don't want to sound like I'm like psychoanalyzing other, you know, comedians. Everybody does their own thing. But if you're basically giving stool fucking material, yeah. Where you're like, man, the bitch said this and the bitch went over there and then the bitch said this. And I was like, bitch, you're like, yeah. you're doing that. Like, I've heard that a million times. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to respect your set. I'm not going to cut you off, but I've heard it a million times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I don't really know how much you pay attention to comedy <laughs> because you're like, <clears throat> you're doing the stool fucking set. Yeah. You're going to eventually end up fucking the stool by the end of that, <laughs> yeah. the end of that bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, that pussy be good sometimes when yeah. you're hitting it from the back. Hitting it from yeah. the back, yeah. yeah. And then it be like, bitches ain't shit. Yeah. I took this bitch out for dinner, right? You'd be yeah. Like, you use the word bitch like 40 times. Yeah, yeah. you know what happens too? Like, is fuck, that's man. part of the reason. Like, I don't really cuss in my sets, and I, and no. I, I have before, but um, it started. What happened was like, I've only, like, I'll, I'll cuss, I'll say like ass, and like, you know, not the, not the real, like, cuss words but yeah. you know just like these like cuss words you hear on tv and Vag- vaginal wall yeah i'll say vaginal wall pussy because <laughs> <laughs> i feel like pussy is just a noun it's not really like <laughs> but <Anal>. um anal <laughs> <laughs> ass wipe those kind of things <laughs> but um but um i realized because I've, I've been up there before right and i'm telling a joke that i'm just working out and it'll it won't hit like I wanted to, or I don't have the, yeah. the concept memorized enough like I wanted to. Right. Um, so I'll just, and, and if if the joke doesn't land, I'll just cuss afterwards. You know, I'll say, I'll call somebody out of their name or something like that. And it and it usually gets a laugh. Yeah. And um, I watched a, a little interview with Jerry Seinfeld, and he was right. talking about the reasons why he doesn't cuss. And it was part of that. It was like, he started to feel like cussing was like a crutch. 
Because if uh, a joke don't laugh or a joke don't land, yeah. and you say the b word or you say whatever a little cuss word at yeah. the end or you say nigga at the end, yeah, and then yeah, like yeah. people would be like ah ha ha. But in reality, they're only laughing at the way you said a cuss word or the right. tone in which you said it. They're not exactly. actually laughing at the joke. So um, in that sense, like you know, kind of like what you're saying, that's generally what happens. Like you yeah. just cuss a lot, and then you know the joke, the premise, and the the, the punchline is not that great, but right. You cuss and you'll get a laugh after at it. I think that you could tell a great joke and not get a laugh based on the way you set that joke up. Yeah. Like it could be a hilarious joke that you've told somebody and they just fucking dying. Yeah. I've worked out some material on a podcast and some people would never know it. Yeah. Just because or I've worked out material on Facebook. Like I've said something like you, you get the premise of the joke and then you turn it into a post and people be like, this is fucking hilarious. You're crazy. And then you'd be like, oh, yeah, I got to keep this in a bit. Yeah. All right now. Now I can work this shit out. That you kind of use people to do that. But, yeah. but uh, yeah. damn it, I forgot what the fuck I was going to say in, re- in return to Oh, if a joke doesn't work out for me, then I'll be like, damn, I got to take that shit out of that bit. Yeah. You know, and then people might laugh. And I'll be like, mm, that didn't work. Yeah. And then but maybe you don't have to take it out. Maybe you just have to work it and work it and work it until it works. Exactly. If you believe in it, at least. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for the sake of, you know, being up on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you just say that just for the sake of conversation. Yeah. You know, you don't want to you don't want to have to tell a bad joke and have dead air. Yeah. Yeah. Dead air. Yeah. Sometimes it sometimes they just don't land and you just kind of like I remember you, that those the ones that usually don't la- land be like like uh like improv jokes for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes people yeah. may not even understand you're joking. Right. Yeah, I remember yeah, like yeah. I made a um I was in a rocket shop and the rocket shop is a little open mic we used to have out here and it's all it's way out there and the, not in the middle of nowhere but it's way out here like outside of like the city city in bakersfield yeah and um it's like a, a little like a nascar spot with you know like a bunch of like uh jeff gordon pictures on the wall and yeah. all kind of stuff like that they, they got accused of being racist yeah exactly <laughs> And they had a huge uh, American flag on the wall. And I went up there on, yeah. and like to open up my set, I made a comment about it. And I was like, man, I got to, I had to do a double take to check if that was like a Confederate flag or not. <laughs> and nobody laughed. So I was like, all right, let me just get to these jokes. <laughs> yeah. So. Another black comic. Telling these <laughs> white jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Rocket Shop was dope though. Shout out to Daniel Betts, man. Shout yeah. Shout out to Daniel, man. He was, he was uh, holding it down over there. Yeah, being like the MC or whatever you call it, the uh, he's a host, the host. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But nah, uh, the initial topic, the Deontay man, uh, blame it on the suit why he lost. I don't know. We went off on a tangent, but yeah, uh, to bring it all back in, I think what happens is is um, uh, his ego was like he it basically what happened with Wilder is exactly what happens when your ego is removed, right? Yeah. Like you've been winning, you've been knocking motherfuckers out all the time, just knocking motherfuckers out, and then you finally lose, and then now you're so used to winning that you don't know how to lose, and you will make up any fucking excuse just so people, you know, just because you don't even know how to feel, you're all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's just like me. I'm a diehard 49er fan. We lost a Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. I've seen other 49er fans. The first thing they do is go to the internet. We got robbed, man. The fucking refs that cheated us, man. Mm-hmm. I watched the same game you watch. It was some bad missed calls, but the the the, the refs didn't do enough for us to lose that game. Mm-hmm. We got outplayed by the Chiefs. They beat us. They was better than us. Yeah, but it's like a lot of people can't face the fact that they were not better on that day. Yeah. So that their ego is so big mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that once you remove it, then that's it. I think um, what part of uh, what we as human beings have to realize is that there's if you're going into some sort of even, you know, we talked about comedy, not so much in comedy in a sense, but a little bit. It, you could kind of uh, replicate this feeling, but right. in a sporting event and in, in most things in life, there's like a win and there's a loss, right. a loss. Um, and a lot of people, I don't think you should think about losing. I think, you know, uh, psych- psychologically, you should always, you know, think about winning and be positive because your thoughts do become reality. 100%. But yeah. there's only two options when you go into these competitive competitions. Yeah. And I think the idea of losing has to cross your mind at some, at some point, like the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the possibility of losing because you know, if Deontay Water go in there and he in his mind he knows he's gonna win, in his mind he 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 knows he can knock anybody out or whatever, and then he loses, it's like it's an unfathomable fathomable thing. And mm-hmm. then you start making up excuses as to why you lost. Because True. you know True, but losing is the foundation lo- losing is the blueprint to winning. I yeah. think that you, you look at a sport like boxing where it's so unrealistic that you know, losing one time can change the whole trajectory of your career. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Like, you could, as a basketball player, you lose one game, whoop de doo fucking life goes on. Football, you lose one game, whoop de doo life goes on. But boxing, it's an individual sport. You yeah. lose one motherfucking game, now they're like, yeah, I knew he was a bum. Yeah, yeah. he was a bum. Yeah, he was. And it's like, hold on. Mm-hmm. This motherfucking Deontay Waters got, what, 42 knockouts? <laughs> Motherfucker lost one time and now yeah. people calling him bums. That ain't cool, right? Mm-hmm. But I just felt he was outmatched. But ultimately, to your point, yeah, losing is a real uh it's a real outcome. And you say, you know, you shouldn't really think about losing, you know, because your thoughts become things, right? But losing is a realistic outcome. Yeah. And I think that when you get too accustomed to winning and you lose, now you gotta dial it back. Now you gotta find out how to win again. Mm-hmm. Right. And a loss is powerful, man, because in, in anything you're going to lose, if you open up a business, you can't expect to win. You're going to take some big fucking losses. Yeah. You're going to be in a negative. You're going to be all of a sudden you made seventy five thousand dollars and now you lost sixty eight thousand dollars of it. Yeah. That's a part of life. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. Like you said, it's all a learning experience. Um it's, yeah, it's just it's tough in boxing because we're so accustomed to people um, having extremely good records. Like the the yeah. best boxers of all times, you know, have a have extremely good records. Yeah. But but losing is a possibility, and you're not you're not going to always be the best on um, any given night. There's only been maybe three three boxers um, in history that have either like undefeated records or they have defeated every person that they've went up against right and um i think it's floyd rocky marciano and then um and i believe lennox lewis was one he didn't he didn't he's not undefeated but he defeated every fighter that he faced because Mm -hmm. like if he lost he beat him in a rematch right so um but other than that everyone's taking a loss so uh, but you know whatever it's just boxing and you know we we're very opinionated about boxing. Yeah. So, you know, you get people in the comments and on, you know, uh, ESPN and all these sports um, commentary shows. And they just they just have a lot of opinions. Yeah, yeah it is what it is, man. 
Uh, he lost the fight. Uh, the excuses are bullshit. And I, I think at the end of the day, um, we have to learn from other people. And in this case, you have to realize when you lost, like, what could I have done better? That should be your initial reaction. Yeah. You know, and it sucks. Lose, you can never be. People say you're a sore loser, but am I supposed to be happy that I fucking lost? Yeah, I hate losing myself. Yeah, I hate losing myself. So what I'm not, what I don't also want to do is try to tell Deontay Wilder how to behave because he lost a fucking fight. Mm-hmm. But what I will the not. The biggest a, fight of his career. The biggest too. fight of it. But what I won't do is tell a grown man how to behave. But I also will say that you can't use a fucking uh, a, a vest or a suit that you chose to come out in as a reason why you lost. That sounds crazy. That is fucking nuts. That's just like. That was 100% ego. Your ego was affected. Your ego was removed. And now you're not even speaking like you're not even making sense. And then he yeah. fired. Uh, then he fired his trainer, too. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I don't, don't quote me on that. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, it seems like there's an accountability issue, mm-hmm. you know, so you got to you better. Boxing is a, is a gladiator sport. You got to get up, get your head out of your ass because. Now you got Andy Ruiz and fucking Anthony Joshua and all these motherfuckers seeing you. They got the blueprint to beat you now. So now yeah. it's going to be harder to win. So I think that when Deontay, when, they, when Deontay comes back, if he starts winning again, then that's going to be way more impressive than all these knockouts. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's boxing, though. It's yeah. like you're only as good as your last fight. True. So a guy like Manny Pacquiao... Um, he was a man, and then uh, he had took he took an early loss, I think, and then he he had went on like a crazy run where he was like forty and two or something yeah. crazy like that, and then he ended up losing like Marquez. And Marquez knocked him out. Yeah, bro. he got you know beat badly, and he then turned uh, him into a meme. Yeah, 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 yeah. He <laughs> <It was laughs> got turned up. into a meme, yeah. but um, and then he went on a a good streak again, and then he he took he took a couple L's, but they was questionable L's. Yeah. And then now he's still fighting and he's still beating. He beat Adrian Broner and he beat um, another yeah. young fighter. So it's like taking an L is, is almost inevitable, inevitable when it comes to boxing. Um, but, you know, like you just learn from your mistakes and you just keep pushing. Adrian Broner be getting paid to lose fights now. That, <laughs> <laughs> that nigga is all talk. And yeah. the thing is, Adrian Broner is another one. He's, he's exactly yeah. like uh, he don't make excuses as far as like what Deontay Wilder did, but he's a person that I still don't think like he doesn't take losses well because he'll lose and he'll be like, I still got paid. Y'all still seen y'all still came out and paid me a million dollars, a million dollars to fight. Yeah, dude. it's like man, just get in the gym and work yeah. on your skills. Stop, Stop losing. talking. Yeah. At the end of the day, I can't speak about him in regards to him being an athlete, but for your field, you're not that great. Yeah. For your field, you're not that great. I can't say you suck. Cause that's that's not that wouldn't be an accurate statement. But for your field, you're just not that great, and you been getting your ass whooped. Yeah, like, he's spo- and you know, they build people up, they hype people up. You know, he's supposed to be the next Floyd Mayweather, but he was general. He was really the next Floyd Mayweather because he was extremely braggadocious. Yeah, that was and it. then you know you take a L, and then it's a wrap. Nobody gives a fuck about what you say when you start losing fights. Exactly, They're like but you lost. I know, but I'm the best fighter in the world. But you lost. Yeah. I know, but I'm black. And it, you lost. Mexicans, <laughs> Africans, anybody uh, can get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, don't be talking about Mexicans. You get your ass whooped. By Mexicans. Mexicans will knock your ass out. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he lose to a Mexican dude? No, 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 no. He lost to uh, Madonna. Madonna's uh, Salvadorian, I think. 
I could be wrong. Yeah, I think I, he might be Argentinian or something. I think he's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't I don't think Brown are ready to fight a Mexican fighter. They'll fight you to the death. Yeah, them niggas <laughs> tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavy-handed, too. I fought some. I sparred some Mexicans a couple times. Yeah, what happened? Mm-hmm. They just heavy-handed. Like, niggas be punching hard. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's all that rice and beans is coming through every punch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. you catch a left hand hook. <laughs> catch a left hand, a right hand, it's <laughs> poof, poof. <laughs> That's funny. Ah, uh, I knew your ass was gonna pull one of those. <laughs> yeah, man. Hmm. All right, uh, switching gears. Uh, we talked about the dwarf earlier. Uh, well, on an earlier episode, uh, Quaid and Bells, the nine-year-old dwarf that was bullied. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the update on that: more than twenty thousand donors raised over four hundred and seventy-three thousand uh, dollars to send to the the nine-year-old Australian boy uh, who was often bullied for his dwarfism. Um, basically it was sent for him to go to Disneyland. His family is prepared to give it away. According to a report by NITV news, they prefer the funds to, to instead go to charities like dwarfism, uh, awareness, Australia and Balunu healing foundation, uh, that benefits others with Quaden's condition. Okay. Here's my take on that. Two things could be true. I think this is awesome that they decided to donate it to charity. Mm-hmm. But let me be very fucking clear when I make this next statement, right? Some of y'all going to hate me for saying this. They could easily also be giving that money away or not accepting it cuz they know they're going to get investigated. <laughs> cuz that's another that's another very real thing. Investigated for what? First of all, they will ch- they can check the authenticity of the claims about someone being bullied or whatever the case i'm yeah. sure that he probably was but at the same time if there's no paper trail and the money is just given away to people like that then it'll allow people to scam the system and it's that boy that remember that boy there was a boy that uh said he was being bullied and they found out it was a lie yeah there's some form of authentic like uh there has to be some form of authenticity like there's some type of i don't know what they do but they would have found out if somebody's being full of shit I think they would have did that regardless if they accepted it or not. Really? Yeah. I mean, the just them raising three hundred thousand dollars is enough. Four hundred and seventy three thousand. Four hundred seventy three is enough for them to start investigating, like mm. before they even accept it. Right. You know. Yeah, because it's what it's going to do is going to make the platform, which is GoFundMe, look like shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is this: I don't I, think I don't think so though. Really? I think they're just a they're just a middleman to get people. I think the the their premise and their theme is to put crowdfunding, you know what I mean? Right. Just to put money in the hands of people for movies or to start a business or whatever or to fund a funeral or something. So yeah. I don't think it makes them look bad. I think it it's more so on the people. Mm. Um but I guess you know to kind of I think they I don't did they do research last time you said the GoFundMe yeah. or was it like I a, don't know who did the research so I don't wanna, I don't want to talk out of my ass. Yeah. But I I they got in, investigated by someone and it was not a, a authentic tale. It was yeah. it was bullshit. 
Niggas be lying. Yeah, they're lying, man. You you don't know what people will do. You you have to look at things believing that multiple stories could be true. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when when I even brought that up, I brought it up on Facebook and people was like, How could you? You're bullying him now. The whole <laughs> the whole world bullied him and now you're bullying him. You're just being you're being like everyone else. I said, No, I'm not, because I'm not bullying him. I'm just basically stating that it could be very true that he was bullied, and I'm very empathetic to that. But I'm also skeptical at the same time. And I think that's possible. People people only believe in one narrative. That's the problem. There are multiple narratives that exist in many different situations. Yeah. We, we get too caught up in the buying in the one narrative. You all right, man? I got the hiccups. You got the hiccups, man. You got, you got, hey, man, you got to stop eating so much pussy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Been doing pussy ups all night. <laughs> one, two, three. That's funny. Yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, that's my my thoughts on it. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, if if it if their heart's in a good place to send it there, mm-hmm. but it can also be true that they're avoiding being fucked with, uh, <laughs> or investigated by giving that money up. Because the average person, let's just be real here. Let's be honest. One one other thing though mm-hmm. that they didn't start it though. They didn't start it. Yeah, it was somebody else that started it for them. Exactly. So you know that's why I feel like. It could be more of an honorable thing. It would be yeah. different if the mom went on there and she was like, you know, I need <laughs> I need to send my kid to Disneyland. But it was somebody else that started it for Well, me. true. But um, here's the thing. When it comes down for you to accept that money, that's where it really counts. Even if something was not created by you, if the goal was to bring awareness to bullying, you've already done that. So what does the $473,000 do for anybody? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. She didn't yeah. do it, though. She did. So the starting end point is not really her her to say so. It was I, it was in the athlete or something that started it. I don't know. All I know is at the end of the day, I thought it was a baseball player. At that the end of the day, you have to accept or decline the money, and that's where it becomes a question. Like, but she know, declined it, didn't she? Yeah, this money is being it's being donated to these different. Uh, is being donated to charities like Dwarfism Awareness, Australia, and Balunu Healing Foundation that benefit others with Quaden's conditions. Yeah. Okay. So that's honorable, right? Mm-hmm. But two things could be true in this case. Because mm-hmm. if you accept that money and say, I like to thank everyone for donating this, then it's like, hmm. So did you really need $473,000? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying even if she didn't start it, just accepting that amount of money would look questionable. Yeah. Then I think you would be more susceptible to being looked at like, wait a minute, you got almost a half a million dollars. Yeah. You know, what what is what is this going to do for anything? But it went to a good cause. At the end of the day, it went to a good cause yeah. so i can't sit here and say like yeah but they got all this money for no reason like it went to the it went to the right thing yeah i think you know the for me i i i can only see the positive in it because when not that i don't know what i would have done in that situation as far as like you got half a million dollars potentially oh, um man. just you know what that could be transferred into your bank account probably within two weeks or whatever right and you defer that to send it to charities i think like i don't see the the negative in it but um 
that's a lot of money to turn down. And it's like, yeah. like I said before, she didn't. She didn't put the thing on. Someone else put it on for exactly. her. Exactly. So she could have easily just accepted the money and be like, hey, I didn't, you know, I didn't do this. I True. just put the thing on it. I don't know why she put it on the internet. It was kind of dumb in my opinion, but. Right. Um, but, you know, they, she could have potentially had 475000 out of it, but she that's, sent it to charities. That's where my skepticism began, was the, yeah. the, the, the very questionable video of your child stating they wanted to kill themselves, and you decided that that was appropriate to plaster their despair yeah. all over the fucking world. Yeah. That, that's the issue that I, I figure anyone that used that type of judgment what else are they capable of, right? Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, people are gonna say, "Man, you're making the mom out to be a, you're making them out to be a, a villain, or you're making them out to be evil, this and that." I have a question for you, okay? Um, would you put your child on the internet saying they wanted to kill themselves? Mm-hmm. Take a moment to think about that. Probably fucking not. Yeah. Okay. You probably would not do that, regardless of your child's situation. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, but they did it to. You know, to to give awareness to the situation, we all have enough awareness to bullying. We know that motherfuckers are getting bullied out here. Yeah, I've witnessed it many times. Yeah. And I also mentioned in the last podcast how I was complicit in the bullying, even though I wasn't directly bullying and how all of your kids and you were complicit in the bullying of many people because you were being a bully watcher and not a bully stopper. Mm-hmm. So that's why bu- bullies thrive off that type of shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But in a nutshell, I don't want to keep regurgitating the same shit. It went to a good cause. I'm glad that there was awareness in his situation. Hopefully people don't fuck with him anymore. Yeah. But I hope he gets a, a sense of confidence of who he is because a sense of confidence is what he will need to get through this world. Yeah. If not, then it's gonna be it's gonna continue to be fucked up for him. Yeah. Hopefully, uh hopefully. And hopefully, you know, that that money does go in. Um, obviously, there's awareness to what he's gone through, but I don't know what the actual financial aspect does to yeah. these different companies. Like, you can't really stop dwarfism. As, at least to my knowledge, it's probably no. just some sort of a defect in the insemination of the the pregnancy as far as like even, the sperm or something. I don't even know if it's that <clears throat> deep. I don't even know if it's that deep. It may be based on the fact that a lot of times they need multiple surgeries. So it could be to fund these different surgeries and procedures and you know they they use these Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And these type sometimes they need uh what do you call those uh uh, it's like medical issues ex- so you gotta exactly find, yeah. like different type of like apparatuses they use to get around yeah. so i yeah. think that may be what it's for mm-hmm. don't quote me on that but that's what i would assume it's more for than the you know the whole medical yeah uh, you know you said in the dissemination whatever yeah i think if worse come to worse he could be a little midget porno star you know what i'm saying fucking the shit out of <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy. What if he was a dwarf, but you had like a 10-inch cock? <laughs> That'd be crazy, dude. You'd be so rich. Yeah. I you'd might be, be a midget, but my dick ain't. You'd be a big dick midget. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> That'd be like, that would literally be, that would be one of the big ticket vid- porn videos. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. <laughs> that would be, that would be, that would be crazy. Be the, BDM like, porn. You like that dwarf cock, huh? You like that <laughs> They're telling you, man. Hey, look, look. Everybody's got their own thing they watch. Yeah. Somebody will, yeah. Somebody yeah. will watch that. Did you know that 
uh, the number one search porn for black men was Asian. Yeah, I heard about that. That's crazy. What's up with black guys, man? Yeah, I think, you know, that we don't see Asians that often. And, you know, you hear like yeah, little stories and stuff about, you know, the Asians only, and stereotypes and stuff. Who so. knows, man? The only Asians that black men come across is at Panda Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Let me get some orange chicken. Yeah. Let me get some of that ass. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get some of that kung, pop, kung pussy chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Kung Pao pussy. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, yeah. Oh, dang. Shout out to all the Asians out there. You said shout out to the Asians right, <laughs> right after you disrespect them. <laughs> Imagine going to Pan Express and be like, let me get some of that uh, coronavirus. I mean, let me get some of that. Uh, <laughs> bro, why do Asians always have the worst viruses? I don't know, man. Because they had the uh, the bird flu started in Asia, didn't it? I think so. The, the swi- not the swine flu. That didn't start. Swine, I, don't, I don't know if swine flu started in Asia. I don't think but either way, there. they be spreading all kinds of diseases. That's and then crazy. it'd be messing up. I was telling you this in a, um, in a comedy show. <laughs> Like Asians get these flus and these viruses and they mess up the whole world. Right. Because we have this dichotomy, uh, what do you call it? Dichotomy or uh-huh. this, uh, whatever, I forget the word, but this relationships that is, uh, mutually beneficial, right? right, right so right, right. America buys a lot of the products and stuff from Asia. Right. And, you know, Asia, you know, they have all these manufacturing plants and sweatshops and, right, yeah. you know, sla- basically slavery and, <laughs> you know, and they end there making all of our products so we can have a podcast and an Apple computer and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But when you get the virus and it's spreading and everybody is scared out there, like literally I was ordering some products from people in, uh, in China and the the guy told me he was like, "Hey, we're postponing the shipment of yeah. the products because um, because of Corona. coronavirus is yeah. spreading." Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just crazy how it affects. And even I have stocks, and my stuff was going down by like yeah. you know ten fifteen percent you know in a day in a yeah. couple of days, and I was losing a lot of money. We got to start making shit in America now. Yeah, you're gonna have to, man. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think the expensive. only, the only, because the shit's gonna get fucked up. We're gonna have to learn how to do this shit. Yeah, bring all them jobs. <clears throat> it, here's the thing: Can you imagine if Trump gets all these jobs and everything put back in America? Like all a lot of the outsourcing. You ain't got nothing to say. You ain't got nothing to say about well, you, Trump. You, I mean, they're going to because <laughs> right. he's Donald Trump. But like, right. when you look at the statistics, you're gonna be like, "Dang, like yeah. this nigga really did bring jobs. He yeah. brought, he stopped outsourcing and all kind of yeah. stuff." If he could do that, ain't gonna be shit. Nobody could say ain't gonna yeah. be nothing. And my thing is, I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not a Trump fan. But if he pulls that off, that'll be nuts. Got to be oh, objective, oh, man. Got to be objective. Yeah. You, you may disagree with something somebody says. But you got to give them credit when they do something that's right or something yeah. that works. Yeah. You know niggas what I'm got j- Niggas got jobs now. Yeah. They'll be like, I got a job, man. I can't believe it. I work in a yeah. factory. Yeah. Really? It's about to be, f- what, four years? You know, this yeah. next election. Yeah. He's, he ended his fourth year. So, and, you know, I guess the, the job uh, unemployment rate is really uh, low for yeah. black people. So, yeah. if this continues for four more years, if if he get reelected, then you're going to... Yeah. I don't know, man. No, no, he's like, <laughs> you imagine Trump getting up there. I told you I was going to give the blacks more jobs. <laughs> and I gave the blacks more jobs. <laughs> I've been doing things for blacks. <laughs> yeah. like, All right, man. Yeah. All right. But uh, this coronavirus shit stay. If this coronavirus shit keep getting worse, 
Then Mexico gonna build a wall to keep us out. <laughs> like, no, nah, we don't need you here, man. Don't it was a here. it was a couple of cases in Mexico, I think. Nah, it wasn't no cases of coronavirus there. Yeah. It's Modelo time over there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, nah, we don't need you over here, fool. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna funny. block us out. <laughs> gotta keep these pinchy gringos out of here, bro. <laughs> that nigga Jerry Law, he was like, Man, you gotta cut your beard, man. The coro- the coronavirus comes from uh your beard. It comes from eating pussy and it lands <laughs> in your beard. <laughs> oh, Jerry said that. Yeah, he's like, That's why I keep my stuff shaved, man. Oh man. Yeah, they there's a lot of bad viruses from China, man. They had the uh Hadouken virus. Ah <laughs> Hadouken. <laughs> It's like, how do you get that virus? I don't know, man. They just be throwing that Hadouken in it. <laughs> you got to duck, man. You got to hit the block button. <laughs> That's funny. You got to hit R1. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to hit R1, man. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, though, man. Yeah. Uh, we got off on a fucking tangent. Mm-hmm. We was talking about the dwarf. Well, well shout out to Equate and Bales um, and them donating to that charity. Yeah. Uh, switching gears. Uh, this is fucking hilarious. Uh, speaking of the coronavirus, the sales for the beer, Corona, dropped due to people literally connecting the virus to the beer. Mm-hmm. That is just a that's just a shame. Yeah. People really that dumb and they connected the coronavirus to Corona. Yeah. The only person is like to me. I'm not really shocked by it, but it's just a shame how dumb people are. There was probably some conspiracy theory going around. Some motherfucker posted a video on YouTube and connected all these conspiracy theories. You know the same people that talk about how like Beyonce and Jay Z is devil worshippers and shit mm-hmm. like that. They probably made a video like, "Don't drink this beer. This beer has has the coronavirus on it." And all these numbers show that the coronavirus is in these beers. And then people yeah. just fucking believe it. Yeah. They don't even research it. They don't yeah. even say, they don't. They just it's just so stupid, man. Yeah. Um, it's just it's sad. It's really sad, though. I, you know, from obviously it's a stupid uh, association. Right. I feel bad for the company though because, um, you know, they created their company you know years ago, and all of a sudden this virus comes out and it's affecting their actual sales. Yeah. It's just like it just kind of sucks, you know. But but yeah. it's just I don't drink, so I don't really know. Um, but I probably would be skeptical of drinking a. Corona too, if I you know just and not even not even based on the fact that I think coronavirus came from Corona, right? Just based off of the name association. If what if there was like a like a um, I don't know what we eat on a regular regular basis a McDonald's virus, and we we know obviously that it's not associated with it, but yeah. just. In the back of your subconsciously, you may be like, "Man, I'm gonna just go to uh, I'm gonna just go to Jack in the Box. Like, I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be fucked up too if if they they had a McDonald's virus, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the prices just dramatically dropped at McDonald's. Yeah, like they just trying to keep they bring the motherfucking McRib back, everything yeah. just to get the customers to come back. You, you know, I'm, you know what? Um, I'm probably um not a hundred percent sure happened, but I. I don't even know how the bird flu came about or what the real science behind it is, but I'm sure chicken sales drop based on the bird flu, hmm. even though it probably has nothing to do with like, you know, chickens in America or wherever we get our chickens. But that's just yeah. the way, like just, it's just how, you know, humans associate with words and stuff like that. I, I think it, I think it happens. 
Yeah, I think you. I think people <laughs> would make shit up at that point. They'd be like, "No, it's good. The chickens are all right. You just gotta fry them. <laughs> you just gotta wash your. You just wash your chicken. Just wash the chicken know, and fry you know, it. Spreading E. coli everywhere. Yeah, just, just just you know, just raise the temperature. Cooking four hundred degrees. Motherfuckers don't give a fuck. That's crazy. Yeah, I just think this is a testament to how ignorant people are, how ignorant they are to the information. Yeah, you know, and and, and I mean being. Being dumb is a choice, especially in America. You got too many different outlets to look at the news. And yes, I understand a lot of the news could be fake sometimes. I understand a lot of times people run with the initial story, even though it may not be true. But at the same time, it is up to you as an adult to find the best news source outlet and connect all these things together and find out what's the closest thing to the truth. And, And then from there, you have more of an educated idea of what's going on. Yeah. But don't be like, yo, the beer got coronavirus in it, man. Don't drink that. Yeah. Like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. It's just like when uh, uh, the very unfortunate topic I'm about to bring up when um, Kobe's passing. Before uh, we got the news, like before it was accurate, they had Rick Fox was on the plane. And mm-hmm. then, they, then they said all his daughter was on the plane. And then like you just and it's like people just want to be first and they wanted to say the most wild shit, even if it's not real, just for people to recognize the the actual news outlet mm-hmm. and then they come back with the truth later mm-hmm. but what the problem is is that the lie actually caesar talked about this on episode 20 he said that the lie was so was first so people don't even care about what comes after that mm-hmm. they stick to the initial lie mm-hmm. it's fucked up but it's true you're gonna have people talking about oh my god it's so sad that all of kobe's daughters passed on that plane you'd be like lady you don't know what the fuck really happened yeah. did you yeah Stop telling people that shit. Yeah. That's real. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, switching gears. Uh, Tony Romo uh, now makes $17 million a year uh, broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And there were some NFL players that weren't too happy about it. Uh, one of them was uh, Michael Thomas from the Saints. And this is what he said in quote. Uh, he said uh, NFL players shouldn't agree to the new collective bargaining proposal uh, when an NFL announcer can make more than 90% of the players, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is where I disagree with Michael Thomas, right? I disagree with him in regards to Tony Romo because Tony Romo's not getting paid by the NFL. So bringing up what he makes is an irrelevant point, right? He's getting paid by the network. Yeah. You're getting paid by the NFL. Your issues with the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should look at what another man makes and make it like, you conflate that with the issues with the CBA or whatever. Like that, that to me, this, no. I applaud Tony for making $17 million a year for broadcasting. Yeah. Cause he ain't got to get hit in the fucking head to make that. Mm-hmm. And that is incredible. To me, I applaud him. I, I think that um, he's paid his dues on the field. He's thrown a lot of fucking interceptions. He's been here. That's funny. <laughs> he done had the shit knocked out of him. <laughs> and, you know, look, man, you know, He's great at his job. It's not like he's this mediocre. Like he does deep dives on plays. He does an amazing job, and he's he's pleasant to listen to when I'm watching the game. I'm like, yo, Tony is the shit, and they paid him 17 million for it. Yeah. So he kind of cornered the market, made the money. Kudos to the guy. Yeah. That's my stance on it. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with uh, Tony Romo making this kind of money. That it, it is, he's getting paid handsomely for sure. Um, and they, uh, it's a record, right? It's the most anybody. Seventeen million, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, for me, um, 
you you should use that as uh, as leverage for yourself. You know, if yeah. you're if you're a because he's getting paid, like they said, he said, I don't know if 90 percent is a literal uh, number, but if he's getting paid more than, you know, some defensive linemen, if he's getting paid more than, um, you know, some wide receivers and running backs and stuff like that, you right. guys should use that as leverage for your own contracts. 100%. The, the uh, Ma- uh, what's the name? McAfee. He has uh, a Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. He did some crazy, um, crazy uh, numbers or like number crunching, and they talked about how because the CBA and they're doing the whole, um, they're discussing the the shares and splits of right, the, right. how much the players should make versus the owners and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And they were talking about how much, and it was they were off by one percent. So I think the owners wanted like fifty one, and maybe the the players were supposed to get like forty nine. That's like the first proposal, uh-huh. and then they proposed like seventeen games and a longer and more teams in the play. Basically, yeah. they just want more money overall, right? Yeah, um, which more, is detrimental. More yeah, more which is detrimental to the to to the NFL players because you know they're putting up. their bodies on the line every week. Um, and they say like with that, it makes the season like three weeks longer or something yeah. crazy like that. So, um, but they calculated how much that 1% would be. And it was something close to like $300 million. Oh my God. So, um, damn. Yeah. It just shows to that. I'm just telling you that to show you how much money that the NFL is making. Oh man. And you know what I mean? So with that said, you know, it's up to the players in this, you know, CBA negotiations to mm-hmm. try to get as much money as you can. Because if yeah. you want to compare it to basketball players, basketball players are getting paid hand over fist. Oh, yeah. And the and the value of the NBA is nowhere near as valuable as no. the NFL. Because, no. you know, even though, you know, NBA is more global and stuff like that, um, the numbers for NFL games and the numbers for basketball games um, – NFL is you know wins every time. Yeah, and you in the you got to think about like Super Bowl commercials and how much revenue the like a Super Bowl generates. If, if a Super Bowl commercial is like a million dollars or something like that, is I don't know how many commercials is on there, but you know different ads around the stadium and all these things and how much ticket sales and all these things um, together that that's like an uh, an event that probably generates over a billion dollars right. just in that one little sitting. So that's so it's up to these NFL players to stop complaining about another man's pockets and start working towards making sure you guys are getting paid fairly. Because like I said, y'all putting your bodies on the line every single week. And some of y'all making, you know, pennies on a dollar compared to yeah. what you should be getting paid. Yeah. It's just like a different level of the rat race. Mm-hmm. You're making millions. First of all, you don't want to call it the rat race. Cause it's, it's not like a regular job. Um, and it, what makes it weird too is it's so different from a regular job that it's hard to even like scale it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Th- these guys are making so much money, you know. And people are saying, "Oh, you're making more than most of the players." And these guys are getting fifteen, fourteen, sixteen million dollar contracts. Yeah. But when you do look at it though, um, it's kind of breadcrumbs compared to what the NFL is making. Yeah. So I think the argument is the argument's valid, right? But Keep Tony Romo the fuck out of that argument. Yeah. That, that, that's my only thing. Yeah, he ain't got nothing to do with you. He put in the work. Um, that's like somebody, like I was telling Eddie earlier, it's like somebody complaining about how much money Stephen A. Smith is getting. Right. So I'm like, Stephen A. Smith, all he's doing is he put in the work, he put in his his time, and, um, right. you know, he, he did his research and studying and, 
you know, he elevated his his uh, the way he communicates to to a to a standpoint to where he yeah. can make millions of dollars a year. Yeah. But that ain't got nothing to do with however much money, you know, the six man on Atlanta Hawks get or whatever yeah. like that. That's so, something totally separate. I, I, t- I, I can. Comp- here's the thing. I guarantee you in the next couple of years, um, just in general, everything's going to be going smooth. I already spoke of this into existence. Me and Keith are going to be making a significant living off of what we do and what we create, right? So by then, there's going to be people like, man, Keith, I found out what Keith is making and Eddie, man, they make way too much. They ain't even doing that. Yeah. Like, they ain't even doing nothing. Like, I don't get how they get paid that much for just talking and just doing that. Yeah. It don't make no sense. And yeah. it's like, motherfucker, do you know how long we've been doing this? Yeah. You know how much put time in we work. put in? We had to build an audience. We had to build people that people that actually gave a fuck about the content. That shit takes years, man. Yeah. You can't just just start something and it it works. Mm-hmm. Like there's like I don't. What's weird is is like people will people will gauge your success off some metric that they created. Like yeah, I don't get why they are making that much. I know I could do more than them. I should be getting paid this. Like don't look at what I make and create what's up for you. Yeah, don't do that. Don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> what you also shouldn't do is compare apples to oranges right right because if if don't compare say, penises to vaginas this is, this is, you know what? <laughs> yeah, <same>. crazy <laughs> oh man but i think if you um you know if you're if you're like a NASCAR driver, why would you compare how much money you can pay to a golfer or an NBA player? Like this, that's two totally different realms. And I feel like that's what uh, Michael Thomas did when he compared, you know, the NFL players to the actual commentators. Yeah. And I don't know the the ins and outs of, you know, the contracts and stuff like that. But like um, Tony, Rome, like I said, Tony Rome was good. He, and he, he did, he fast tracked his career primarily because he was a super like a superstar um more so because he was just like you know he's like a good looking dude and he was dating you know a-list celebrities and you know he's on the dallas Cowboys, so that kind of just upped his stock so when it came time to you know negotiate contracts as far as like commentating and he knows the game more than you know pretty much anybody so um they just forked over the money and people genuinely like hearing what he have to say yeah, little little known fact: Tony Romo is Mexican. I don't know how many people people know that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. They just think like Tony's just some white guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Shit, shout out to the Mexicans holding it down. <laughs> yeah, seventeen million a year. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, switching gears. Uh, this this to me is it's comical, but it's it's unfortunate. Um, uh, white supremacist mass shooter. Uh, Dylan Roof staged a hunger strike this month while on federal death row, alleging in letters to the Associated Press that he's been targeted by staff, verbally harassed and abused without cause uh, and treated disproportionately harsh. Uh, Here's the thing, right? Dylan Roof went into a church where black people were minding their business and shot him. Mm hmm. This motherfucker had the nerve to say that he was treated disproportionately harsh. Don't you think the innocent black people you shot were treated harshly? Yeah. Did you ever think about that? Yeah. This nigga tripping. What the fuck? In prison trying to be a civil rights activist? (laughs) (laughs) You don't sit your dumb ass down somewhere. I hope they fuck you up every day. Yeah. Okay? Like, straight up, dude. You're a waste of time. 
Also, um, Dylan Roof is on death row. Yeah. So um, I want you to die. So yeah. like, if you're staging a hunger strike, then you just, know, just keep it going. Just I'm, finish it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, when I thought about it, I, I was just thinking of the fucking Mortal Kombat. Finish you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna steal Eddie's joke right here. I'm gonna send uh, a care package to Dylan Roof. I'm gonna find out what cell number and you know all the information to send him uh, a little care package, and I'm gonna send him a Popeyes biscuit. And I'm not gonna <laughs> get <laughs> yo yo. If you try to eat a Popeyes biscuit with no water, you will fucking die, bro. The, the coroner will be like, "What was the cause of death? Was it strangulation?" He was like, no, nah, it was actually a Popeye's biscuit. Oh, uh, that's funny. He was trying to he's trying to get it to go down, but it just it's too dry. Do an autopsy on Dylan Roof and that nigga just he just got a freak. He's gonna have a Popeye's biscuit lodged in his esophagus. He's gonna have a Popeye's biscuit and a Confederate flag stuck in his throat. Oh <laughs> he heck no. Nah. He tried to he tried to swallow the biscuit and the flag at the same time? That what would the, be crazy. What if what if racist white girls be masturbating with uh, Confederate flag dildos? Wow, that's <laughs> I don't know. Wow, I don't. Wow, <laughs> that I don't know ex- where that came from. That was my extreme. <laughs> wow, I wonder how much flack we're gonna get on this podcast. <laughs> oh man, Tommy Lauren just be like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about Tommy Lauren? I bet you Tommy Lauren is like, if you got her like alone, she's probably not that bad. It's entertainment, bro. It's entertainment. Yeah. She she's entertaining her base by saying things that I don't even think she fucking believes in. Yeah, I really don't. And she doesn't because she no. she sometimes she contradicts herself because she's talking about the whole healthcare and insurance right. and stuff like that. Right. And they're like, so what kind of insurance do you have? And then basically she was saying that um, she was still on her parents' insurance, and that's like right. a bill that you know some of the Democrats had implemented. So. It, exactly. So, it's, and she's young as fuck too. She's not yeah. very old. She's like twenty seven. Probably like twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah. She's yeah. But yeah, the, the whole thing with Dylan Roof, man. Uh, Dylan Roof. I, I just think that he doesn't realize why he's in prison. There's no way that he realizes why he's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he had a Confederate flag and was had. When it literally went into a black church and shot black people and and killed innocent black people. Yeah, you you expect some sympathy. Yeah, you, you get no sympathy from me. I seen the comments and everybody did. Nobody gave a fuck. It was mm-hmm. this white, black, all kinds of people. I kind of enjoyed reading the comments. Mm-hmm. This one white dude was like, "Yo, we're not spending money on this guy. Leave him. Just let him die, dude." Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else, this black dude, was like, "Is that right?" Yeah. <laughs> nobody gives a fuck about him. Yeah. Nobody gave nobody gives a fuck about Dylan Roof, man. Nobody yeah. I haven't seen anybody like Dylan Roof's being treated wrong. If I hear anybody come to the defense of Dylan Roof, that means you might be some type of you might be some type of white supremacist. Yeah. I I, I get that. Also, um, as as far as like human beings, right. I feel I don't feel bad for him, but also like when it does come to the law, you know what I mean. Right, There's exactly. Stipulations in 100%. order to you know keep keep everything on the up and up. So I right. get that because I, I say that to because Jay Z and uh, Yo Gotti are following a lawsuit for the Mississippi prisons. Right. Oh, so, okay. Right. 
You know what I mean? So just to be to be fair in that he sense, but on, yeah, but on a personal level, like he could die for all. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because two things could be true. Like on a in regards to the law and upholding the law, you're starving prisoners out. You're not giving them baths and you mm-hmm. beat them up every day. That's against the law. That's also harsh treatment. Yeah, but the like from a person from me, I, I feel like him being harshly treated. Or not being fed and all of that. I don't care about that. Because mm-hmm. this dude didn't give a fuck about the people he was shooting. Yeah. Innocent church going people. Yeah. That, that to me doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like how do you expect to be treated humanely when you did very inhumane things? Yeah. You That's know? so crazy man. That nigga's. He's young too. Yeah. I want to give. I want to give Dylan Roof a chicken sandwich. I want a dookie in it. It didn't give <laughs> You're like, thank you, sir. Oh, no problem, man. I know they're treating you bad in here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this one is. What is this? Hey, hey, you dookie, man. What are you doing, man? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. No, no love for this kid, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got nothing else, man. I think we've 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 said what we needed to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where are we at? One twenty eight. One twenty eight. It's kind of short, man. Mm-hmm. Kind of short for us, but uh, no, I guess I wanted to run oh, by right. some that's of the right. stuff which went happened over the weekend. Ah, uh, uh, um, <clears throat> so the first thing the orgy. No, I ain't had one of those yet. <laughs> <laughs> Trucker's mind orgy. That'd be crazy. Niggas just having sex in the podcast at the same time. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that might be gross oh right yeah but um but on thursday um tyson put on uh one of his his monthly shows the uh the we own the laugh shows and he brought out jerry law jerry law is uh one of the one of the um guys we one of the mentors for you know eddie myself dj and chris um in, in like the comedy world, he every time he sees us, he's giving us game, giving us advice that he learned um, from every every show. So we seen him there. We we seen him, and after the show, he's shaking everybody's hand and stuff like that. And uh, he came over to us, and he just shook our hand. It was like, yo, man, like, and he bigged us up. Like, these are the next guys. They're doing skits. They're doing movies. They're doing everything. So, you know, shout out to Jay Law. Um, and every time he sees us, it's like he's just like a like a, a real OG, and it's always like. You know those certain OGs that you know in your life that every time you see them, it's like, hey, man, how you doing? And then all of a sudden, it's just game that he giving you. Right. Like, you know, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. So um, shout out to Jay Law, man. But it was it was a dope show overall. Um, and I got a chance to um, link up with Brian Hooks. For those of you who don't know who Brian Hooks is, he's a um, an actor and a comedian, a producer, a writer. He does, you know, pretty much everything. Um, but he's also from Bakersfield. Um, and he's he's like to us, he's like a hometown hero in a sense, because he's been in movies with E-40 and Snoop Dogg and a bunch of other like um, well-known, uh, well-known uh, actors, comedians and, right. and stuff like that. So um, he's a guy that out here like we, you know, we hold in high regard and uh, a interesting story about like um, seeing him up there when I was in third grade, which was in it was probably around like 2000 2001 or like somewhere in there like 1999 2000 um in that range the movie three strikes came out in which he starred in and um 
when the movie came out, I was in, I was in, uh, like I said, I was in third grade and my hooks I'm, and, my, and my teacher was Mrs. Hooks. Um, and I don't know how it came about. I don't, I probably shouldn't have even watched the movie, but I think I watched the movie and I don't even, I don't remember how the conversation came about, but Mrs. Hooks was like telling me that, you know, her son was an actor. And then she was yeah. like, you know, my son is actually the actor, Brian Hooks that played in three strikes. And at that point, like, I'm in awe, like, oh, snap, uh-huh. like, your son and, you know, you my teacher and your son is on BET and, like, he got box office movies and all this crazy stuff. So eventually she set it up to where, like, he came to our class and, um, you know, he showed up. I think it was him and one of his other friends. And um, he just came and talked to the class for a minute. And uh, he gave me a little autograph um, that I eventually gave to my uncle, I believe. And... um it was dope. Like, so that was always in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like, yo, man. Like, and you know, as a kid, you impressed, you impressed by little stuff. So like, right. you know, like, yo, man, this nigga Brian Hooks in the class with us. And I was probably the only, I don't think I was the only black kid in the class, but I was probably the only kid in the class that had seen a movie at the time. Right. Um, so that was so dope to me. So I always had kept that in the back of my mind. Um, and then eventually when I went to film school, when I went to New Mexico State, um, I started putting together the script and um when i was writing it it's a movie about bakersfield so i was like wouldn't it be dope if i had like just the dopest local talent in the movie um or locus i mean dopest people from bakersfield in the movie because it's so it's such a um a, a movie that is like of our culture that you know it's only right that we would have like all the heavy hitters from bakersfield in the movie so when i was writing a script early in the early stages I just threw some stuff out on the internet, like, yo, what do y'all think? Just throwing it on Facebook, like tag and tagging these people in it. Like, yo, what do y'all think if we have Brian Hooks and, you know, Kevin Edwards and a bunch of other people from Bakersfield and Tyron Wallace and Braxton Huggins? What what would y'all think like if we had a movie with all with all these people in it? And a bunch of people like to comment and, you know, people was commenting on it, like, yo, man, that'd be dope, that'd be dope. And then eventually, like, Brian Hooks had seen it or he seen himself get tagged. And he was like, yo, bro, just let me know when you're ready. Or, you know, he just, he just basically said he was down to do it. And um, so I had did that a couple times on, like, Facebook and Twitter just to kind of put it out in the air. And also to hold myself accountable and to, you know, put out, like, some positive affirmations into the world. So I threw that out there. And then... Um, eventually uh you know he messaged him we went back and forth i sent him the script and um i think he got a chance to skim through it or whatever but um it had nothing really had materialized uh as of yet but you know so the first time i had seen him in person was thursday at the show so i seen him up there and it it was just dope like i was super impressed by his set like he's a you know well-rounded comedian and you know his jokes were hilarious and um you know he's very sharp up there like for me, I didn't know how good he was at stand up. So when I actually seen him on stage, I was like, yo, like, I'm really impressed. Like, probably some of the um, sharpest, you know, uh, sharpest sets that I had seen from a from a stand up anywhere. Um, so after the show, you know, he's shaking people's hand and, you know, you know, everybody's down there. They're taking pictures and stuff like that. And for me, I was a little bit skeptical. I, was, I think I was telling um, one of my friends this. I was like. Cause I, I started to hear like other comedians and other people saying like, yo man, I want to talk to Brian hooks. Cause I want to get in, you know, three strikes two, And I want to get in these different uh, movies and TV shows that he got coming up. And I was like, man, I don't want to be 
part of the crowd and yeah, I don't want to sound do like, that. yeah, I don't want my statements to fall on deaf ear because me personally, I know how it feels for someone to come up to you and be like, hey, man, I want to be in a movie. I want to do this. I want to do that. Because it's like it gets annoying after a while. And you like actually like these dudes aren't even actors or these dudes aren't even writers. Like, stop talking to me. So I understand, like, you know, how it could feel for him. So I was kind of skeptical about talking to him, you know, when, when the show came around. But after the show, he's shaking people's hand. And then, but he stayed around for a little bit. So I just waited my turn, waited it out. There was people chopping it up with him. It was all kind of people selling him dreams. Like, yo, man, next time you come out to Bakersfield, we'll bring the cameras out. We'll do this. We'll do that. It's other people talking to him, like, you know, trying to do whatever. But um, I just waited, waited by the wayside and waited my turn. And then I tapped them and I was like, I shook his hand and I was like, hey, man, I'm the one that's been bugging you about the little movie script. And he was like, oh, he kind of like connect, connected the dots. And then I was like, hey, man, like I actually, you know, I told you the story I'm telling you about um, yeah. third grade. I told him that he was like, oh, man, that's crazy. And then we chopped it up for a little bit. And then he was like, yo, man, like he was like, I get a lot of scripts and stuff like that. And a lot of them don't be formatted correctly. And a lot of them are not that good. So he was like, the thing that I appreciated about yours is it looked like he knew what you was doing. Like I skimmed through it and it looked like he said it was solid. He was like, I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but. It looked like a solid script. So he was like, here's what I he said, what here's what I'll do. He's like, next week, just hit me. And then um he's like, just shoot me a message or whatever, and then um and we'll make some stuff happen. So I was like, yo, I was like to me that was so so dope because, you know, like I said, this is like a, a passion project for me. And like I have a vision in my mind and the things are starting to like slowly but surely align to how exactly how I want these um these things to happen. So it was just dope to see like, you know, somebody you look up to and somebody I've been looking up to since, you know, like the third grade or whatever, and finally like connecting with them again. Um, and then him almost like believing in you and believing in the work that you put in to, yeah. you know, to make, you know, art and stuff like that. So um, that was just, just dope to me. And uh, it's also about like being, um, being aware of your abilities and your worth. You know what I mean? Like for me, I didn't really I didn't really talk to him asking for things. And, you know, that's why, you know, it's, it's, I say it's, um, you know, we talked about like Gary Vee statements and how you're supposed to be able to offer somebody, offer something to somebody. So, right. you know what I mean? I didn't ask him to be whatever. I just, you know, when you whenever you ask an actor to be in your movie, it's almost like you're hiring them. It's not so much that you're asking to be in one of their movies. So it's a different type of communication that happens with those kind of things. So, um, you know, I was just like um, just stoked about like the opportunity that we have to to create something dope. So um, that's pretty much it. And then also on Saturday, I had an opportunity to to be in a in a short film called uh life of oblivion and it was a short film about these uh these marines and this one marine that is basically struggling struggling with ptsd and his journey to you know talking to a therapist and stuff like that and it was cool really dope experience like we got to work with you know some guy uh this guy named ryan who's done um a couple short films and a couple feature films and um I think he was just on Blackish, and I don't know in what capacity he might have been extra. He might have been, he might have had one or two lines or whatever. But you know, it was just a, it was a cool experience. A couple producers that worked in Hollywood, and um, it just I just felt like I was a part of something bigger than me. 
and especially the the message behind it, because there's a lot of soldiers out there that are forgotten about. You know what I mean? And we talk about it all the times as far as like the homeless people and how many homeless people are actually um, military veterans and how, you know, we claim we care because Colin Kaepernick's taking a knee and he's supposed to be disrespecting the military. But in reality, it's hundreds of hundreds of um, military and thousands of military guys out there that are struggling and they're trying to um, readjust themselves into normal society, but they're dealing with these traumatic experiences and, and they have to hold on to st- stuff. And it was just cool, um, you know, hearing little stories here and there and how, how willing these veterans were to help because they know what it feels like to have to, and then the story, the guy has to, um, he's basically, um, he has a sniper pointed at a little kid and, wow. you know, in his mind is, is traumatic because it's, uh, it reminds him of his kid. So sometimes, you know, you be out there and you see these little kids and they got, and he's in Afghanistan and they got little, um, bomb suits on and they got AKs around their neck and something like that. And you have to make a quick decision whether to shoot them or like let them live. And in the back of your mind, like, yo, that reminds me of my kid at home. He's the same age as my kid. So all these things are like racing through your mind. And, um, so that's kind of what the movie was about. And it, it was just dope to be a part of something bigger than you. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen to that film, but you know, those kind of theme movies tend to do really well in the, um, in the, in the film festival circuit. So, um, I was just glad that they were able to, um, to, 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 that they gave me the opportunity to be a part of something like that. So yeah, that's my weekend or my last four or five days. So it's been a good time and it's just, it's good because <clears throat> like we said, on, like on Thursday, we went to the the show with Brian Hooks. Friday, we had the Black History Show. Saturday, I was shooting a movie. Sunday night, I'm doing a podcast. So it's dope because this is something that I want and this is something that I want to be my lifestyle. So it's cool to kind of have these things back to back to back. And it's only March 2nd as of when the podcast drops. So it's like we we're really out here trying to uh, make good on our promises that we made to ourselves at the top of the year. So, yeah, well, that was a great experience, man. Um, that film, uh, when is it? When is it out? Uh, I think I'm not sure exactly. They're gonna have um, once the it, it's a short film. It's only like eight minutes, so they're gonna edit it probably within um, the next week or two. Okay, and then they're going to do a film festival run, and um, hopefully, what 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 the guy wants to do. There's a film. There's an actor in it from Bakersfield, so he wants to have a premiere here in Bakersfield. So he That's said dope. that he could get the um, one yeah. of the theaters here, and you know, have a you know a premiere. So it'll be cool. That'd be dope, man. Yeah. So. Well, that's great, man. Congratulations to Keith. Appreciate and, it. And a special happy birthday once again. Thanks. Don't make me sing a song again. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you, you don't want me to do that. Cash out me some money, K Fings, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll do something good with it. Yeah, man. Well, looks like we came to the end of this podcast. I appreciate you all for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. Get out of here. Peace. <laughs>